Hello, everybody. My name is Jenkins, and welcome to another episode of Moon Walk Talk. All your energy into your finger. Throw it out like fire. Welcome to another episode of Moonwalk Talks. Moonwalk Talks has been called the greatest Michael Jackson podcast of all time. As long as that time is exactly 8.36 p.m. Uh, Yeah, it's only the greatest podcast at that exact time every day. So, So really, I can only claim that I'm the greatest podcast for one minute a day, which is which is fine. I've learned to live with it. I'm good with it. Well, I'm your host. My name is Jenkins, the only washed-up rapper that was never famous to begin with. <sighs> Who's writing this stuff? Who wrote that? It's not funny. Check me out at Jenkins.net, and please follow me on Twitter at Jenkins with two eyes. It's at Jenkins with two eyes. One of these days, I'm going to get at Jenkins with just one eye, but until then... I have to have two. So, yeah, you know, we got to go through the boring stuff. As you know, Moonwalk Talks is available on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. It's basically on any podcast platform. And you can also listen at MoonwalkTalks.com. Also, please follow at Moonwalk Talks on Twitter and at Moonwalk Talks on Instagram. And please rate and review Moonwalk Talks on iTunes. When you rate and review, it bumps Moonwalk Talks up the ratings so other people that normally don't go searching for things like Michael Jackson podcasts can see it as well. Because see, funny enough, people generally don't know what they want until they see it. So if you go rate and review, some random person who is searching through podcasts trying to find something new will see Moonwalk Talks and see that it has a fairly good rating and they'll be like, ah, Man, I actually do want to know random things about the greatest entertainer of all time. And then, bam, new subscriber. And then, more and more people will start to listen and eventually get angry that I don't put out enough episodes. <laughs> so, so yeah, go do it now. Thank you. So, yeah, recently I took my little sister to this thing called Wizard World Comic Con here in my hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma, They had celebrity guests like Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood on the Harry Potter films, to the boy band member Joey Fatone from NSYNC. So, being a huge NSYNC fan, we went to the Q&A with Joey Fatone. Now, as most of you remember, NSYNC had performed with Michael on more than one occasion. They did um, the MTV Video Music Awards, and they did, um, what was the other one? Oh yeah, the 30th anniversary special. So, being the MJ fan that I am, I asked my little sister if she would go stand in line to go ask a question about his time with Michael. Uh, Now, I would have asked it myself, but, you know, it's just cuter if a little kid does it, right? Anyway, she was a trooper. I told her, I was like, go up there, say, um, well, here's the audio from that. Hello. I just wonder that you performed Michael Jackson before. Uh, Do you have any stories for One funny story that you're asking that question because I've been telling this story a lot, so this is going to be good. Um, he, one time, 
We did um, MTV Awards and he performed with us. He came out and danced like 30 seconds at the end. At first, it was supposed to be this other dude. We were gonna write a verse for him to sing. And he was just coming out of this comeback concert at Madison Square Garden, this was that big concert that they had when the celebrities performed. So when he agreed to it and said yes, all his other people were like, no. And the reason was because they wanted him to obviously perform at his own show and sing. They actually agreed for him to come out and dance. So he would come out and dance with us for a couple of seconds, you know, 15, 30 seconds or something. And then obviously, Lily, the week following on that, he was doing his, his actual show. So the funny part about that is, is we were backstage getting ready. He came out with five minutes before we were supposed to start. So check the floor, make sure it was all right. So he would spin, bust his butter, and then, and all of a sudden, somebody hands him a microphone. And he was supposed to have a microphone because he was just going to dance. He turned 12 years old in about two seconds. And he went, and I'm, I'm up on this platform, I think, with, with um, he was with Lance, we were in a motorcycle. And he literally was looking around, holding the microphone, going, guys, guys. And we're like, what? He looked up and he was like, Joey, I'm not supposed to have a mic. He freaked out. Which was weird. I mean, I, you know, it's Michael Jackson, but like the freak out. He's like, I'm not supposed to have a microphone. I'm not saying that we're like, relax, Mike, full figure. He's not like, yo, he's not supposed to have a mic. Get the microphone out of his hand. It was like one of those things where it was just weird and bizarre. But, you know, he, he was one of the nicest guys. I mean, we, we did that at the Icon game that we performed. We performed the Jackson 5, which was probably one of the highlights of my career because I think that was the last time he actually ever performed with his brothers. So that was kind of a real cool thing that we got to dance and shit with him. So, there you go. Thank you. Oh, man. This is See, I like being able to bring these kind of little stories to you guys. I like going out asking people about Michael Jackson. That stuff's fun. Anyway, so yeah, thanks to Wizard World for bringing out Joey Fatone, and thanks to Joey Fatone for the awesome story. So yes, before we get in today's episode, I would like to reach out to all my listeners and ask for your help. If you don't know, I do this podcast all by my lonesome. I write the script for every episode. Well, a lot of the new episodes I write scripts. The older episodes, I didn't really write any scripts. I just kind of put notes. Um, I research all the topics and I edit all the audio all by myself. I also run the social media and do all the promotion, etc., all that blah, blah, blah. Which is why it takes me so long to put out an episode. Because while I would love to only do Moonwalk Talks full-time, or even part-time, I have so many other projects, priorities, and responsibilities that hinder me from actually concentrating all my time on this as much. So this is where I need your help. I need a couple of trustworthy people that would like to help contribute to Moonwalk Talks. Um, I need people that would like to help research stories, write scripts, as well as help with promotion and update social media. So if you have some extra time and you love Michael Jackson and would like to be part of the Moonwalk Talks team, please contact me, Jenkins at Jenkins.net. That is Jenkins at Jenkins.net. J-A-N-K-I-N-S at Jenkins.net. Yes. Anyway, on to the episode. (laughs) Happy Halloween, everybody. What better way to celebrate this spooky holiday than to dive deep into what is arguably Michael Jackson's most famous song, Thriller! 
Joker is basically the theme song to Halloween. You can't go anywhere without hearing the infectiously spooky track. And even 30 plus years later after its release, people of all ages still dance like, dress like, and adore everything thriller. But what we know now as the Halloween anthem wasn't always about demons, werewolves, and zombies. When songwriter Rod Temperton first brought the song to Michael and Quincy, it was originally a song called Starlight. Fun things about doing Moonwalk Talks is learning about Michael Jackson's otherwise untold process of making music. As a musician myself, it's fascinating to see and hear how his music evolved from the idea to the finished product. Michael wasn't just a great entertainer, he was also very skilled in bringing together the very best musicians and writers into his team. Every person that worked with Michael Jackson was a genius in their own right and respected in their fields. What a lot of people don't realize is that in order to make a great pop record, it takes a team. Beyonce doesn't just sit down in her home studio and write her next hit. It takes dozens of people to bring her songs to life. There are people that create the music, write the lyrics, play the instruments. They have consultants and people they trust to tell them what part works and what part doesn't work. It's no coincidence that Beyonce has hit after hit. It takes a lot of hard work and teamwork. And Michael Jackson was no exception to this. His team of people were a constantly changing group of musicians and writers and producers from all different types of genres and backgrounds. It helped keep his music fresh and exciting. Where a song concept he loved might not have worked, he had somebody there to say, hey, let's try it this way. And Thriller was no exception. was recorded in April of 1982, and including all of his solo albums as well as Jackson 5 albums and the Jackson albums, it was his 19th album. Yeah, it was his 19th release, so I guess the 19th time is a charm? I don't know. The song Thriller was the seventh and final single released, over a year after the initial release of the album. It was recorded at Westlake Recording Studios on Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. The song was written by Rod Temperton, engineered by Bruce Swedeen, and produced by Quincy Jones, all of whom Michael had worked with for his previous Off the Wall album. 
Rod had written Michael's other iconic songs, Rock With You, Burn This Disco Out, as well as the title track, Off The Wall, and from the Thriller album, Baby Be Mine and Lady In My Life. Here is Rod Temperton talking about Starlight. Originally, when I did my demo, I called it Starlight. Quincy said to me, uh, well, you managed to come up with the title for the last album, see what you can do for this album. I said, oh, great. So I went back to the hotel, I wrote two or three hundred titles for this song, and then I came up with the title Midnight Man. And he said, that's, uh, that's kind of more, you know, a bit of mystery, a bit more where we, we should be heading. And so I said, OK, let me think about it. And so the next morning I woke up and I just said this word. Something in my head just said, this is the title. You could visualise it on the top of the billboard charts. You know, you could see the merchandising for this one word, how it jumped off the page. So I knew I had to write it as Thriller, and I wrote all the words very quickly, then went to the studio, and we did it. See, this was the early 80s, and you were still seeing the exit of disco from the pop music scene. And Starlight was a very disco-esque title as well as song. The lyrics originally, Give Me That Starlight, Starlight Sun, were bouncy, friendly pop lyrics about two lovers at night. And to be honest, with lines like, Someone's always trying to bring you down, it's quite predictable and basic. While the base of the song was there, Quincy, Rod, and Michael felt it didn't quite have the edge that some of the other tracks like Billie Jean and Wanna Be Startin' Something had. To create many of the strange background vocals in Thriller, Michael recorded some of his background vocals in a shower stall. Some people say it was to use all of the space in the crowded studio, while others say it was a unique way to go about taking advantage of the acoustics in that setting. As well as this, Michael Jackson recorded over his own voice multiple times in order to create a unique, unusual vocal experience. Rod Temperton had always envisioned a speaking part at the end of the song. The speaking portion at the end of Thriller is voiced by Vincent Price, an actor famous for his role in horror films such as Tim Burton's Vincent and Kurt Newman's The Fly. At the time of production, Price was 73 years old. A funny story. When I wrote Thriller, I'd always envisioned this kind of talking section at the end and um, didn't really know what we were going to do with it. But uh, one thing I'd thought about was to have somebody, a famous voice in the horror genre, to do um, this vocal. Quincy's wife knew Vincent Price. And so Quincy said to me, how about if we got Vincent Price? And I said, well, that'd be amazing if we could, you know, get him. So he spoke to his wife and and they got it together and Vincent said he would love to do it. So it was all set up that he would come in and do it. Then, and the idea was going to be that he would just talk some horror talk from the type of lines he would deliver in in some of his famous roles. And right up until the night before the session, and just before I went to bed, Quincy called me and said, you know, the session's at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, and I'm a bit scared because Vincent's never been in on a a pop record before. Uh, I don't know that he's ever recorded in such a manner with with music tracks and headphones and everything. 
and it may, he may, it may be difficult for him to come up with something to do. So perhaps you better write something uh, for him to say, um, just in case we get stuck. So I said, okay, no problem. I'll get up tomorrow morning and uh, write it before we come to the studio. So I went off to bed, and the very next morning at 9 o'clock, the bell rings, and uh, I'd totally forgotten this, but my publisher from England had come over to America, and it had always been planned that we would have breakfast that next morning. And he came and arrived, and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm supposed to write this thing, but I've got this lengthy meeting. And so I had the breakfast with my publisher and had a long business meeting, which went up till noon. And uh, the session was at 2 o'clock. And finally, my publisher left, and at about 10 past 12, the phone rings, and it's Quincy, says, how are you doing? Have you, have you got something? And I said, yeah, well, don't worry about it. I'll have something. Uh, I'm just finishing it off. <laughs> And so I hung up and got a piece of paper and frantically started to write some stuff. And just one of those lucky times, that uh, it just flowed out of me. Uh, I mean, it, well, I'd written all the lyrics for the song and, and the, the theme of the whole thing was so strong anyway that it was quite easy to visualise all these kind of lines that uh, Vincent would say. And so I started writing, and I wrote one verse there while I was waiting for the taxi. And then I got in the taxi, and while I'm going to the studio, I, I wrote two more whole verses, of which so so I wrote three uh, verses of of poetry or rap, and, and we only needed two in the end anyway. And as I arrived at the studio, I saw a car pull up and out steps Vincent Price and the taxi pulled around the back of the studio and I dived out of the cab, raced in the back door, said to the secretary, photocopy this quick. And uh, they put it on the music stand and he walked in and sat down in his chair and off we went. The addition of Vincent Price's narration was made possible by Quincy Jones' then wife, Peggy Lipton, who was friends with Vincent. A master at his craft, Price only took two takes to make the perfect recording for the song, even with the then difficulties of recording spoken word over music. It is rumored that for his work on the song, Vincent was offered a percentage of the future revenue of Thriller, but instead he decided to take a set fee of $1,000. $1,000. A decision he would later end up regretting. Some have said that once the song had grown popular, Vincent had wanted to renegotiate his deal, but unsurprisingly, he was unable to get in contact with the Jackson camp. There were more lines of Vincent Price speaking. However, the rest of these lines were cut out of the final production of the song. His part in the song, as well as the parts that had been cut, can be heard in the special edition of Thriller. The rap by Vincent Price on Thriller was a very strange move for any pop song, even by today's standards. Not often do you hear a top 40 song bridge into a creepy nursery rhyme, but as many of Michael Jackson's efforts, this was the exception. The demons squeal in sheer delight. It's you they spy, so plump, so right. For though the groove is hard to beat, yet still you stand with frozen feet. You try to run, you try to scream. But no more sun you'll ever see. 
for evil reaches from the crypt to crush you in its icy grip. Can you dig it? <laughs> By the time Thriller was to be released as a single, the album Thriller had already been the greatest selling album in the entire world. It had been on the charts for almost two years. It had already broke tons of records, but was slowly starting to fall. The label at the time, CBS, didn't see any reason to release another single. He already had six hit songs from the album. The suits at the label figured it was just time to let the album go. They've never seen anything like this happen before and didn't think the album could possibly get any bigger. So when Michael and Quincy approached them with their ideas for the Thriller video, they initially turned it down. Here is director John Landis on his experience with Thriller. When I did Thriller, because he called me up because he liked an American werewolf in London. And uh, he said, I want to be a monster. I want What he liked was the metamorphosis, you know. Um, so I didn't want to make a rock video because those are commercials to sell records. You know? I did. But, I, but Michael was such a big star. I said, Mike, can we make a, a theatrical short? The reason it's 15 minutes is you're all too young, but you used to go to the movies and you saw a cartoon and a short. You know, and, and I wanted to bring back the theatrical short. And I realized he's a big enough star that I could do that. So that's what I want to do. So he said, oh, sure, absolutely. He was up for anything. He was still living with his parents in Encino. And, uh, and uh, so the record company would not give us the money. Uh, they wouldn't? No. No, in fact, they very politely said, go f*** yourself. They were like, no. <laughs> People forget when the album, Thriller, the album, had been out over a year before I shot Thriller, the, 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 the short. And it had already been the most successful album of all time. So they'd made Billie Jean and Beat It, these two videos, hugely successful. And so I, I think people forget that. So it was no longer number one. It was now like number six. And so the record company thought, Jesus, I mean, this is the most successful record of all time. It's going down. We're not going to spend any more money. You know, we, we did a budget, I wrote it, and then we did a budget, because it was like a shooting a little movie, you know, it was Union, 35 millimeter, and I wanted, one of the reasons it works is because the dancers had 10 days rehearsal. Most, most videos, the dancers show up, <laughs> show them what to do, and they do it. They had 10 days rehearsal, so they were really good. So it's expensive. So the movie, do you know how much they like? It cost $500,000, which at that time, was huge because the most expensive video ever done was like $35,000. So, so what happened was George Folsey, who was my partner at the time, he had a very good idea. He said, let's film us filming it. <laughs> so Thriller will be 15 minutes, and then we can do the making of Thriller, and that would be 45 minutes, and that would be an hour, and we could sell that hour to cable TV <laughs> and get the money. And that's what happened. We, we sold it. Before we made it, we got a quarter of a million dollars from Showtime, which was a brand new cable channel. But they only had like less, like 600,000 subscribers, very small. So they got a window exclusive for two weeks. And then MTV called us up, furious. How could you do that? Yeah, and we said, okay, you give us money. <laughs> so they gave us a quarter of a million dollars. So they got to show it after them. But it was meant to be theatrical. 
that it was going to go play in cinemas. The, the important thing to remember about Thriller is it was just Michael wanting to turn into a monster. It was nobody's brilliant idea. It was nobody's business, because what happened was amazing. So, so what happened, my deal with Michael, my contract, it had to be in theaters. And I owned it. I mean, it, I was going to make a lot of money. It had to be in theaters. So we made a deal with Disney, and it opened in Los Angeles at the Avco with Fantasia. It should be seen in a cinema. It's much better, big. But what happened was, it made so much money in two weeks. The audience it would sell out, they would watch Thriller, and they would leave. They wouldn't watch Fantasia. Like, I'm like, this is good, Fantasia. But they would, they would leave. And that the record company went, oh. So I had deals all over the world. What they did was, illegally, they took the, uh, they said, okay, it's been in a theater for two weeks, so we fulfilled our obligation to you. And they gave it to Showtime. And then it went on MTV. And it was such a sensation that two things happened. The album tripled its sales. The other thing was, I got a phone call from a man named Austin First, and he said, I would like to put Thriller in the making of Thriller as a home video. And you know, you're too young, but home video at that time, do you know how home video, be it's changing now, but it became a rental business. You would rent it from Blockbuster. That was because if you wanted to rent a movie, it was, I buy a movie, it was $90 or $100. For beta or VHS, it was like $100. It's very expensive. So mom and pops and people, they would buy a lot and then rent them. That's what happened. So I said, why would you make a home video? It's on TV every two minutes, you know. Um, the other thing, by the way, I should say, is what a man named Walter Yetnikoff uh, and uh, the other guy, well, I'll think of his name, uh, I think it was the, but um, Michael's manager, they took Thriller, not the making of, but they took Thriller, copied it, and sent 25,000 copies to every television station in the world. So it was like, there was a year there where it was like all Thriller all the time. And I said, who would pay? Who would pay $100 to watch something on TV? He said, no, we're going to sell through. He said, we'll, we'll charge $29. And the whole concept of buying a video was nuts. You know, and then $19. Anyway, it sold 3 million of them. And it invented, it really made the home video business. Because suddenly they weren't, they, they were no longer $100. They became, so you buy them, that was one. Two, the album tripled its sales. Right? Three, it created MTV, became huge. This whole thing of making up and all this stuff. So all this stuff happened from Thriller. It was all just an accident. It was just Michael wanting to turn into a monster. Turn into a monster. Turn into a monster. It's crazy to think that the simplest idea of Michael wanting to turn into a monster is what catapulted Michael into a stratosphere of fame like no other artist before or after him would ever achieve. Some people would like to believe that there is some underlying genius plan that made Thriller as big as it was, but everybody involved from Quincy to Landis have all stated that it was something nobody could have planned or concocted. Michael wanted to become a monster, and people loved it. The expensive production of Thriller only took four days to film. The video was shot in parts of LA, including a notoriously bad neighborhood in East LA. I got a chance to visit the area last year, and the famous red brick wall behind Jackson's famous dance is still there. 
It wasn't just an amazing song and dance that made Thriller so fantastic. It would have been nothing without the astonishing makeup and costumes. Rick Baker, who did the amazing monster makeup on Thriller, recalls his experience working on the short film. I don't remember the time frame between, but it was because of American Werewolf that Thriller happened. Michael Jackson loved American Werewolf and wanted to do a similar thing, so he had hired John. And uh, John called me up about it. And, and, you know, the funny thing was, I mean, I knew, I knew who the Jackson Five were. I wasn't all that familiar with Michael. It wasn't like I'd listened to his music that much. And, and I, I didn't even know the Thriller album, you know. And, and John said, you know, this Michael Jackson guy wants to do a kind of American Werewolf thing and get some ideas, you know. Okay, you know, it's going to happen real fast and we don't have any money, you know. All right. So uh, I started kicking around ideas and I, I liked, I always thought it would be funny to do a, a, a musical zombie thing. So I suggested that we do a, a, a dance with zombies, you know. Okay. You know? But then I also at one point thought, well, we should, I wanted to put a whole bunch of monsters in it because I'm a monster nut, you know. We eventually ended up just with zombies, you know, in, in the dancing. You know. And he wanted, you know, an, an American werewolf kind of transformation. I said, well, let's, let's make him something besides a werewolf. You know, I just thought, you know, maybe more feline, like kind of a cat-like thing. And I thought it could be interesting. It was almost like a black cat in a way, you know. And the original design he did was much more like a black panther kind of thing. And then I thought it was too, maybe too much a black panther. So I made the hair longer and put these white, the white streaks in it, which is before I had white streaks. And I, <laughs> Uh, just, you know, it was fun. It, what an amazing job I have, you know. I'm actually getting paid, though I wasn't paid, paid very much, you know, but I was getting paid to stand there and watch Michael Jackson, you know, five feet away from me, doing this amazing dance with all these other dancers, you know. It's just, I mean, people just love to, to experience this, and I get to, you know, I get paid to do that, you know. For the music video, Ola Ray, a model and actress, was hired to play Jackson's girlfriend in the video. Ola Ray was also a former Playboy model, Miss June in 1980. She was brought in by John Landis, who reluctantly informed Michael Jackson that she was a former Playboy bunny. Michael, well, he had been to the Playboy mansion before. Oh, and if you didn't know this, the house he died in was literally across the street from the Playboy mansion. So yeah, numerous sources say that it did not bother him that she was in Playboy. And he even owned the issue that she was in. And as much as some people believe there was a relationship between the two, while there was playful flirting on set, both have denied it. Ola even saying that there was never a romantic relationship because at the time, Michael was dating Brooke Shields. Ola Ray and Michael stayed distant friends for the following years, but Ola never went on to anything bigger than Thriller. What's worse is that she was arrested at a seedy motel during a drug bust years later. Long story short, she did turn her life around and is now a stay-at-home mom in California. But as all people in Michael's life happen to do, she did sue him two months before his death in 2009 for unpaid royalties from Thriller. The Jackson estate settled with her after his death.
With the amazing director John Landis, the fantastic choreographer Michael Peters, who had also taken part in previous music productions with Michael, then you add Rick Baker, who provided the makeup and prosthetics for the music video, and then the additional music that was created by Elmer Bernstein. All this combined with the energy and brilliance of Michael Jackson made Thriller the biggest achievement in pop history. But did you know that Thriller almost never got released? At the time Michael was working on the music video for Thriller, he was only 24 years old. Michael Jackson and his mother, Catherine, were still devout Jehovah's Witnesses. The rest of the family, eh, not so much. Now when the Thriller music video came to be, the Jehovah's Witnesses caught word of the themes used in the video, and the community nearly excommunicated Jackson due to the nature of the video and his content. The video directly violated religious rules on occult imagery. Now let me tell you, I personally grew up a Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses, in a way, are kind of a cult. Um, whenever you you become part of the Jehovah's Witnesses, you get fellowshipped. And so that means you're part of the group. Now, if you end up breaking, you know, uh, doing do, breaking one of the rules of Jehovah's Witnesses, then they will disfellowship you. And when you get disfellowshipped, you can't have contact with anybody that is fellowshipped in, in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So for Michael, what would happen is that he wouldn't be able to have conversations or communication with his mom if he would have got disfellowshipped due to Thriller. So upon getting word that he was going to get disfellowshipped, he called up his manager and told him to destroy every single bit of footage from Thriller and to never release it. Luckily, his manager at the time knew just how to convince Michael otherwise and told him a story of Bela Lugosi, who is most famous for his role as Dracula. And he'd tell him how Lugosi was a religious man himself. And Lugosi saw no connection with his religion and portraying a so-called demonic character on screen. Eventually, they came to the conclusion that they would put a disclaimer at the beginning of the short film that would help Michael distance himself from the images depicted. John Landis personally hated the idea, but when they told him that the film would not air otherwise, Landis wrote the famous line himself. Due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Michael Jackson. Even with the disclaimer at the beginning of the short film, Michael still had to answer to his brethren at the Kingdom Hall. Uh, Kingdom Hall, that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses call their churches. So, on May 22nd of 1984, just to let y'all know that's two days after I was born, Michael issued an apology through a paper that Jehovah's Witnesses distributed called An Awake. He says, quote, I would never do it again. I just intended to do a good, fun short film, not to purposely bring to the screen something to scare people or to do anything bad. I want to do what's right. I would never do anything like that again. That makes me feel bad that people were offended by it. I don't want them to feel that way. I realize now that it wasn't a good idea. I'll never do a video like that again. In fact, I have blocked further distribution of the film over which I have control, including its release in some other countries. There's all kinds of promotional stuff being proposed on Thriller, but I tell them no, 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 I don't want anything on Thriller. 
no more thriller. And see, this is where I have a huge problem with Michael Jackson. Instead of just doing things he loved and owning them, he constantly tried to make everybody happy. It was a major character flaw that would eat him later in his life. Because, in fact, he did do more videos like Thriller. He loved horror movies and things of that nature. I mean, Ghost is a prime example. And I'm sure the congregation loved Smooth Criminal, where he seduces women and murders multiple people. (sighs) But I digress. To this day, Thriller is a defining symbol of Michael Jackson's legacy. Thriller is held by many as one of the greatest songs and music videos of all time. Thriller has sold over 120 million physical copies and even more when you include digital downloads. Thriller has held spots in over 70 music charts worldwide. And not just in the 80s, it has held top 10 positions in various decades, including the 2000s and 2010s. It has been certified platinum multiple times in over seven countries. It has almost 400 million views on YouTube. It was the first music video to be selected for the National Film Registry and is still the only one in it to this date. The song and music video have won dozens of awards all over the world, as well as being in the Guinness Book of World Records for most successful music video, most weeks on a music chart, and even holding quirkier titles like Largest Thriller Dance, with almost 14,000 participants. And guess what holds the record for most expensive jacket sold at auction? The Thriller Jacket. The music video for Thriller has also been credited as helping the struggling channel MTV gain new viewers. That's right, Michael Jackson helped MTV stay on the air in the 80s. Thriller has been inducted into dozens of halls, covered by hundreds of artists, and to this day is one of, if not the most recognizable song in recent history.
Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Moonwalk Talks. Please follow Moonwalk Talks on Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to rate and review Moonwalk Talks on iTunes. My name is Jenkins. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. I love you all, and as always, don't forget to smile. Smile.